On today's episode of Locked On Coyotes, I'm going to be breaking down last night's game against the Dallas Stars, as well as talking to a special guest about the Coyotes' recent trade for Nick Ritchie. All that and more on today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Coyotes. I am Carl Pavlock. I'm going to be running this one at least for the first segment by myself. Unfortunately, Robin had a family emergency come up and she is unable to join me today. Uh, but wanted to make sure to get this one out um, because yeah, it's a pretty rare situation. The Coyotes won a game. Uh, it has not happened a lot this season, so definitely one of those occasions that I feel like we should celebrate and talk about uh, because the Coyotes' win over the Dallas Stars was you know, a great kind of example of what the Coyotes – aren't doing as well um, and kind of how if they just make a couple of improvements, they can be a much better team. Um, and those improvements aren't easy by any means, but uh, hopefully you get a little bit better idea of what I'm talking about. Uh, the Coyotes won last night against the Dallas Stars 3-1. Uh, it was the second game of a back-to-back. A lot of ways it felt like Saturday's game against the Kings. Um, Really slow start, which is unfortunate. The Coyotes have been having these slow starts as of late, and I'm not really in favor of them. Uh, It's pretty bad. Even with two power plays in the opening period, they weren't able to get much going. Uh, They outshot the Dallas Stars 12-7, to but, I mean, you don't get too much credit for shots on goal. Uh, You need to actually score, and it didn't look like they were doing a good job of that. But... Things really started to come around in the second period. Uh, so often this season, we have seen the Coyotes collapse in the second. And it is always extremely frustrating to watch because you can kind of feel it starting to come. And for a while, it looked like that was going to be the case again last night. Um, the Coyotes scored first, Lawson Kraus getting just a beauty midway through the period. Perfect pass from Schmaltz, perfect position by Kraus. Absolutely love to see it. But then, less than a minute later, the Dallas Stars even things up with Hintz getting probably one of the most ridiculous goals I've seen all season. Uh, the puck bounced off of uh, his... Or no, it bounced off of Pavelski's stick, Hintz's foot, uh, Shane Gostisbehere's foot into the back of the net. It was one of the biggest pinball-type goals you've ever seen. Um, One that really shouldn't make a team lose any kind of energy or momentum because that is a goal that you're able to look at and just be like, hey, that's an unlucky bounce on our head. Time to reset um, and move forward. But that hasn't always been the case for the Coyotes this season, Um, especially in the second period. Uh, One of the things I'm always talking about is the team – doesn't seem mentally prepared um, for being down or giving up a goal. It's really difficult for them to to just kind of reset and shake that off. 
because they're a team that, you know, they're not going to have a lot of chances. Uh, I, I say that they don't respond well to being down a goal, but hey, they respond like a team that is very aware of what their talent level is. Uh, and so I never really want to fault them for that. Uh, unfortunately, after giving up a goal, they almost immediately take a penalty, um, which is just classic Coyotes. Uh, when I was writing about this game, I wanted to be a lot snarkier because the Coyotes giving up a lucky bounce goal and then Galchenyuk immediately heading off for uh, hooking a couple minutes later. So not immediately, but two and a half minutes later. That should have been the start of the Coyotes collapse. But solid special teams won the game, uh, which is, again, not something you can say a lot about the Coyotes. Uh, Nick Schmaltz scored the Coyotes, or scored a goal on the penalty, or on the power play, after the Coyotes were able to negate the final 20-odd seconds of the of the Galchenyuk penalty. And, yeah, they walked into the third period with a 2-1 lead. Great. Uh, the Coyotes don't go into the third period with a lead very often, so it was great to see them doing well on that. Uh, unfortunately, the Dallas Stars were not going down without a fight, and they need to get some phenomenal saves by Scott Wedgwood in the third period. Uh, Wedgwood made 17 saves uh, in the final frame compared to only five Coyote shots on goal, which is truly uh, just a lopsided affair. But you could really see how you know special teams got them the lead and then goaltending preserved that lead. That is ideally what we can see from the Coyotes. If they just get a little bit better on the power play, if they get better penalty kill, if they can continue to get solid goaltending, they're going to have those leads. And I think the best part of the Coyotes' third period was the final two minutes. Um, they iced the puck. Uh, the Stars responded by pulling their goaltender. Makes sense. There was about a minute, 40 seconds down or left, down by a goal. Might as well do what they can. And the Coyotes, after you know being vastly outshot, after being vastly outplayed, they turned up the energy. And they looked their best that period in the final two minutes. Granted, I would prefer if they just played a good, you know, solid 20-minute of hockey, but that's not always the case. Um, and if you have to care at a certain point, care at the very end when it, when it all matters. Um, and it was great to see... The Coyotes get on the board with Clayton Keller getting his 20th of the season. Uh, not too long ago, the Coyotes went the full season without a player reaching the 20-goal plateau. Keller's already gotten there, um, and he's probably not going to be the first one. Like I mentioned earlier, Cross had his 14th. So there's definitely more Coyotes offense than we've seen uh, from individual players. They just don't have like the full talent. They don't have the support yet, but... I mean, it was a good game. It was a game where you can definitely build off of. Uh, granted, there are definitely things that I would rather not do, uh, rather they not do. The you know, taking a penalty two minutes after giving up a goal, don't do that. Stop doing that. Uh, taking most of the third period off and being just completely outplayed, stop that. Just don't. But, you know, the special teams, the power play, um, just timely goal scoring from leading players like Lawson Krause and Clayton Keller. That's the things that the Coyotes can build off of, and hopefully they continue to do that. 
Um, so what's going to happen next is I'm going to be talking with one of my friends, James Reeve, uh, about the Coyotes' recent trade. That's going to be coming up in our next segment. But before we do that, I want to just tell you about our friends at Built Bar, and specifically the Built Bar Puffs. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best Built Bar flavors. Uh, puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. You got yummy cinnamony churro. I'm a big fan of cinnamon, so that sounds nice. The coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, also good. There's so many of them, you're going to find one that will be your new favorite. What I want you to do is go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on Locked On Coyotes. Uh, before we get started with the second segment, I do want to remind everyone of our daily show, Olympic Daily. So a great place to go if you're interested in any of the Olympic news. Uh, feel free to check out them. Uh, but joining me in the se second segment, we have one of my longtime collaborators on Five for Howling, uh, a man of just phenomenal hockey knowledge who also covers, surprisingly enough, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who's going to give us a little bit more insight into the into the trade that happened uh, this past weekend. Uh, James Reeves. James, how are you doing today? Hey, Carl. Uh, yeah, doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's great to hear. Uh, so... What were you doing when you saw that the trade went through? I'm guessing just based on the time zones, you were probably sleeping, right? Oh, I was 100% asleep. I woke up, checked Twitter, and was like, what? There was a trade? <laughs> and then my second what was the fact that it was actually between the Leafs and the Coyotes, who haven't done a trade for quite some time. Yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised that the two teams that I primarily cover with my uh, with my writing and stuff, uh, actually did something together. So I was quite interested to see what it was. Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely surprising. Uh, the the Coyotes have made a lot of trades with the you know Chicago Blackhawks, with the uh, Montreal Canadiens, um, you know, even with the the Colorado Avalanche. But I cannot remember the last time that the Coyotes and the Leafs made a trade. Like the big player that's on the Leafs, that's a former Coyote, is Michael Bunting, and he signed as a free agent. Yeah, I know that. Obviously, there was the Peter Holland trade quite a few years ago. Yeah, um, I'm not entirely sure if anything's actually really happened since then. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like we we're saying, those sorts of trades don't really happen um, very often. So. It's always interesting when something like this like crops up and uh, which players are involved or which assets are involved in general um, because obviously the two teams, even just for like the last five years or so, have been kind of at the different stages um, of where they are in terms of contending for a Stanley Cup and rebuilding and things like that. Obviously the Leafs, about six years ago, really went hard into their own rebuild and now a few years into the future we're already seeing how well that's been going for them and obviously the coyotes this past year have kind of really kick-started their own rebuild and i guess hoping that in 
a shorter time, they might be a team that's kind of looking like the Leafs in terms of the young guys that they've drafted or are developing or who even acquired through trades or whatever, starting to come through and push the team forward. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good point. Um, I think a lot of the time when we talk about rebuilding teams, um, Robin and I especially have been focusing on the California teams because the Kings have done a really good job in their rebuild. And I think that's a, a model to emulate. But you're right. The the Leafs were in a similar position. And because they're in two very different positions right now and just stages of the rebuild, I, I can kind of see there being a, a place for these, these kind of trades. Uh, I know one of the things that we mentioned on the show last week was the possibility of Phil Kessel returning to the Maple Leafs uh, at the end of the season as the trade deadline approaches. Um, you know, teams that are in different stages of their rebuild and just playing, like they kind of have those opportunities to to benefit both teams. And do you think this trade was a, a benefit for, for both? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, for the Leafs, it really addresses an area that the team is really crying out for. Um, something that has kind of hung over the team over the last few years is their inability to get beyond the first round of the playoffs or in the case of um, that that interesting expanded playoff series where they couldn't even get into the playoffs actual because Columbus just defensed them out of the uh, the introductory like play-in series or whatever. And um, one of the big things that a lot of people have sort of clamoured on about is the fact that they don't really have much physicality on the blue line in particular outside of Jake Muzzin. And Jake Muzzin got injured. And without him, there wasn't really that physicality, that sandpaper, that big hit type player, that big body that's going to put his body on the line, blocking shots and the like. Um, Because the rest of the least team is is kind of made up of high skill supreme elite talent but when it gets down into the playoffs it's a whole different beast and teams that rely on just elite scoring and elite talent can find them some goal lead quite often and if they don't have any other dimension to their play sometimes it can sort of work against them and with the least that seems to have happened a few times in the past so I know that defence has been kind of an issue at times this season, even though the Leafs are kind of playing at like a historic franchise record, potentially setting pace at the moment. Um, But Jake Muzzin got injured again. He was out for a little bit. Justin Hall has not looked like he was about two years ago when he was really like stepping up and performing exceptionally well with Muzzin out of the lineup. Travis Sturmut, there's still questions about him and his future. And I know that the Leafs ahead of this playoffs appear to be angling for support at forward, actually. And to do that, they're going to likely have to offload one of those whole Dermot defenseman type guys. And they needed someone else to kind of bring in that would fill the void by those players sort of being taken out but equally give them something different because they've got Rasmus Sandin, they've got Timothy Lilligren, who are great young defensemen, really high-end, like high-potential players that will really eclipse Hull and Dermot in the lineup and kind of already have in at times, at least this season. And they kind of need someone that will probably fit in on the bottom pairing, be a bit more physical, throw, throw big hits, put his body on the line, block shots, rather than being that sort of 
puck moving defenseman that can you know break out the zone or set up plays and make stretch passes and the like so adding Lubushkin is kind of really addressing a big need for the Leafs whereas for the Coyotes they're getting another asset in that second round uh, draft pick and they're getting a guy that's under contract next year in Nick Ritchie yeah uh, which oh, that that pick conditional second can third coyotes having the option that that's one of the crazier picks i've i've seen uh just in general like unconditions uh but but you're right not only are the are the leafs getting a player who seems like he's going to fit a need it's also going to be saving them some money because um you know they've already waived ryan dezingle who also went as part of the deal uh he has been claimed by the san jose sharks so that's just completely off the books uh labushkin signed for one year at $1.35 million, which, you know, uh, not a big contract. Uh, I think for his role, that's a fair amount. Um, I would not be surprised to see him extended or even, you know, walk away as a free agent uh, this year. He seems like he's you know, got a solid career in front of him, but for the Leafs, it's a kind of move that makes a lot of sense. Um, were you, um, since, you know, we brought it up, were you kind of excited to see Dezingle at all? Are you are you sad that he was immediately waived? Was it just kind of like, are you glad to see him play by the by the Sharks? How do you feel about that one? Uh, so from the Leafs' perspective, um, I understand why they put him on waivers. Um, you know, they are a very cap-strapped sort of team. Um, they're paying a lot of money for their top guys, which in my mind, that's kind of what you should be doing. Um, they've Liljegren and Sandine on the defensive side of the game uh, are kind of the only players they can really send down to the minors because they uh, don't need waivers and things like that. They don't really have many options on offense in that same way. And so I understand they probably wanted to send him down to the minors, probably were going to look at figuring out what they're going to do uh, in terms of other deals, maybe what they do with Hall and Dermott see if they can offload them for assets and maybe free up cap space and whatnot. Because I know that Dezingle, obviously in his career, he had three consecutive years of 20 plus goals scored in the NHL, which is great. And yeah. you could you can really see that when he plays higher up in a lineup, he plays with strong centers, goal scoring players, playmakers and the like. He can be an effective offensive threat in the NHL. Um, but I do understand why they waived him. In that situation, I know that Lubushkin is clearly the the primary piece that they wanted from this deal because defense was the area they wanted to address mainly. And yeah, it was kind of they had to take on two guys to take to balance out like the financials with Nick Ritchie's cap here of two and a half million. I was a bit disappointed to see him claimed. I think that had he gone down to the Marlies, um, I mean his cap would have fit perfectly un, under the, the threshold. So he would have been completely off the books, but he's the sort of guy that you could bring back up right before the playoffs, hopefully yeah. with a bit of steam under him in the AHL scoring and the like, and then he can hit the ground running and make a big contribution in the playoffs. So I was a bit disappointed to see San Jose pick him up. I understand why they did it because he is an NHL guy. He is an NHL player. He can score goals. He's got some good defensive attributes as well. I would say uh, it is a bit of a loss for the Leafs, but Lubushkin really was the guy that they were kind of aiming for. 
Yeah. And, and I would agree with you. I, I do think that there is definitely something to Dezingle's game that I don't think we really got to see a lot with the Coyotes this year. Um, you're right. He he is one of those players who plays well with good talent. And that's not a knock against someone. Uh, there are players who can create that offense. There are players who just thrive on you know, having someone there who can create it. Um, so... I was a little disappointed to see him go. I wasn't all that surprised to see him put on waivers, but then again, I wasn't surprised to see him being claimed. Um, he's kind of, he's one of those players that's just kind of in a tough position where you don't really know where the best place for him is. He's he's just in between two. Um, but yeah, this is great. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about this, talk about the piece that's coming back to the Coyotes. But first I have a message from our friends at bet online football season may be over the uh, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops for all the latest odds totals player performance props to where the next coach is going to land betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs but online remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball bet online is your source for hockey boxing and ufc right down to your favorite Vegas or right down to Olympic coverage and information. Head over to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Hey everybody, this is Carl Pavlock with Locked On Coyotes. Again, uh, joined by James. Uh, so talking about this trade, uh, we talked about Labushkin. Uh, we talked about Dezingle. I want to talk about the player that's coming back. Um, uh, Richie, what are your thoughts on him uh, after seeing Richie play for for this past year for the with the Maple Leafs? So uh, Nick Richie had a really difficult time in Toronto. Really, um, I think there were a lot of high expectations on what he could be. Um, I know that a lot of fans, when he first signed, often um, highlighted Don Cherry's infamous quotes about how. The team squandered the draft year when Richie was available by taking William Nylander, who, you know, William Nylander is a phenomenal player now for the Leafs. Nick yeah. Richie joins the Leafs. They have both of those guys. So there you go, Don Cherry. Um, but Richie, big body, doesn't skate superbly well. Bit sure. of a slower kind of guy. Physical, throws a hit, um, which is kind of what the Leafs were hoping to get out of him, but they were equally hoping to get much more offense out of him. He was only shooting 3.8% this year, which is, you know, his second lowest in his entire career, the lowest being during his rookie season back yeah. in 2015-16 when he was, you know, 20 years old. He had a good year last year with Boston, scored 15 goals. That's a career high, though. So he's not a supremely top-end, you know, top six offensive threat. More of a third-line guy um, on on a probably a top-end NHL sort of team. He'll probably get a lot more minutes for the Coyotes, which I think will probably benefit him quite a lot, but also benefit the Coyotes quite a lot because they will get that physicality um, on the wing. They will get a guy that can score has shown that he can score when he's given the opportunities. Um, but equally, he could be a guy that nets them another asset next year 
because he's already signed through the 2022-23 season. Uh, again, decent cap hit, two and a half million, I believe it is. Um, real salary is a bit more than that, about 3.3. So in terms of value for the Coyotes, I would say it's pretty good. Obviously, it is kind of a semi-reclamation project because of how disappointing a season he's had. Only nine points in 33 games this year. It's far below expectations that he had entering like the season with the Leafs. Um, but with the Coyotes, you know, if he can't beat Lawson Kraus out of like that second line left wing position for the Coyotes, then there's some serious questions to be asked there, uh, in my opinion. And that's nothing against Kraus. Kraus is a good player. I like Kraus. I like his style of play. But Nick Ritchie realistically should be the guy that's behind Clayton Keller in the lineup and is getting those top six minutes um, trying to score goals, trying to be that physical like facilitator role that can help like his sentiment and his line mates to kind of have better luck in front of the net as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of a tough year for him to be coming to Arizona if Kraus is his major competition because Kraus has been hot. 14 goals, 10 assists in 49 games. Uh, he's about to set a career high in goals, uh, which is going to surpass Nick Ritchie's uh, with Boston. Um, I, I found it very interesting just because he seemed to be an okay player with the Ducks um, and got to see him a lot, you know, because the Coyotes used to be in the same division as the Ducks, saw a lot of those kind of games. And then he just had a really surprisingly strong year in Boston. Um, and I can understand why the Leafs took a chance on him um, after, you know, four, 15 goals and 11 assists in 56 games. That's nothing to sneeze at. Um, but I'm also kind of not surprised that it didn't work out as well as they thought it would. Uh, thankfully, that you know, it's a fair contract, all things considered. You know, maybe he's being overpaid a little, but it's not egregious. Um, and I think you're right. I think he's going to have a chance to really bounce back with the Coyotes. They're going to, you know, he's not, doesn't have a lot of competition for ice time. Uh, he's going to be able to play as well as he can. Best case scenario, we're looking at another Shane Gostaspair situation where you know, players may be a little bit overpaid, but they still have something to prove and they're able to show it. Yeah, and I mean, Gostaspair has been really good for the Coyotes this year. He's yeah. suddenly become a bit of a fan favorite as a result yeah. of uh, that trade that uh, shocked the NHL, I would say. Yeah, I mean, when you can get a guy for literally nothing, I think a dollar went back uh, and a pick. Like, that's just, you know, a very endearing story. Um and, and Richie doesn't necessarily have that same story. He he wasn't gotten for nothing. Uh, Labushkin seems to have been really popular with people, especially when their word broke that he was sitting out the game on Saturday with the possibility that it was going to be traded. Like uh, until it happened, like everyone was just kind of anticipating it. So. He may have a little bit harder of a time endearing himself to fans who just saw one of their favorite defensemen go, but I mean, he's got the style that should hopefully endure fans to to Nick Ritchie. Equally as well, I think where the Coyotes are at, fans shouldn't really hold on to players as tightly as like 
say the Leafs, where they have like you know Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, William Nylander, Morgan Morgan Riley, even Jack Campbell in net, like guys that are around, guys that they know are likely to be around for a very long time and be very successful with the team, even just during the regular season. It's to be seen whether or not this that team can get anywhere close to the Stanley Cup. But at this point in the Coyotes' kind of journey, uh, players are going to be going. You yep. know that, like, you can't really have those attachments. It's not like a couple of years ago when you had guys like Chalmerson or Demers or Brad Richardson or Grabner, like, guys that you just were really endeared to and you knew that they were going to be around for at least a year or two more. They were just part of the team. The team was, you know, kind of sniffing at getting into the playoffs in the regular season anyway. And it's just a whole new beast right now. And the Bushkin was a good, good, good enough defensive player. Played a lot with Chikrin this year. Played a lot with OEL in the previous seasons. So I think from that point point of view. Um, it is sad to see him go, but you've got to be expecting these kind of players to be gone before the end of the season because that's just where the Coyotes are right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to make your point, the Coyotes have four players who are signed past this year, uh, four, four forwards, I should say, uh, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, Andrew Ladd, and now Nick Ritchie. Uh, he was just the fourth. They have three defensemen signed past this uh, this upcoming year: Jacob Chikrin, Shane Gossespear, and Yannis Moser, who I feel like shouldn't even really count in that count, just because he's on an ELC. Um, but he's not going anywhere. Um, I, I do think that this is going to be something we talk about more on a future episode. But the emergence of players like Yannis Moser made it easier for the Coyotes to decide, like. And we're just going to walk away from Lubushkin on this one. We're going to get what we can. And and they got a a player and a, a pick. And, you know, from what we're kind of seeing of uh, what the Coyotes were being offered for Lubushkin by himself, it's a pretty good deal for the Coyotes to get Richie and a conditional second. Although whether or not it's a second or a third remains to be seen. Um. Any anyone else? Because uh, we're running out of time. Anyone else you think that the you know Leafs may be interested in to from the Coyotes? Any other potential trade partner opportunities for between these two teams? Between the Leafs and the Coyotes? Yeah, uh, I would say it's difficult. Um, I think the Leafs are looking for offensive help, um, probably on the left left wing um, side of things. I think Dzingel kind of made sense in that sort of situation. Um, obviously, uh, the Coyotes have like pre-ex-Leafs in like Galchenyuk and Travis Boyd, so they kind of like are known commodities um, yeah. for the Leafs. Galchenyuk, I think, was quite the surprise that he didn't stick with the Leafs originally. Um, he apparently was offered more money. He was offered, a, I think it was just shy of a million last year and Apparent, well, the rumor was that he was angling for more and he ended up getting less and went eventually joined Arizona, but he seems happy there. Um, I would say the Coyotes don't really have what the Leafs are looking for in terms of forwards. I think mm-hmm. Gosses Bear would be an interesting prospect for the Leafs to consider on defense, um, but that's not very likely um, with their cap situation and everything like that. 
I think the Leafs are probably done with dealing with the Coyotes at the moment. Um, I think they will probably target other teams that are more in need of addressing their defense and um, are willing to give up probably a, a young, um, talented forward that can contribute immediately to uh, what the Leafs are trying to accomplish. Gotcha. So you don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs will be going after greatest player of all time, Louis Erickson? Well, King Louis uh, would be an interesting addition in the blue and white, but uh, I think not at this point. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's their loss. Uh, I, I guess they don't want to leave the first round of the playoffs because obviously Louis Erickson is the only one who can do that. <laughs> But but that's going to do it for today's episode. James, uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, so they can find me on Twitter at James RJ Reeve, R-W-V-E, that is. Um, and obviously I write for Five Howling, covering the Coyotes. And I write for tipofthetower.com uh, to cover the Toronto Maple Leafs. Awesome. Sounds good. Everyone make sure to give James a follow. Uh, he actually wrote the trade article on Five for Howling, um, which is why he was such a, a good guest to come on today. Um, if you want to follow me, I am at Carl Pavlock FFH. Of course, you could always follow the show at LO underscore Coyotes on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Instagram, so give us a follow there. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, this special show. Uh, hope you guys subscribe if you want to hear more, and uh, have a great rest of your day. And don't forget, to howl on.